what I want to tell you is well done. Over the last nine years, uh, you all, and some of you are brand new and others of you have been around a while, uh, you have served and you have given and you have supported and you've walked alongside of and you've helped people as they, they've tried to figure out their faith. But let me tell you, the journey isn't over yet. Uh, so continue on in, in the process of what God is calling us to do. We're so excited about that. I want to give a quick pull as we get started this morning. All you have to do is raise your hand if, if I offered you today the opportunity to go bungee jumping. If I offered you the opportunity today, how many of you would say, count me in? Okay. The rest of you are like, no, uh, right? And those of you who raised your hand I don't understand you. Like, I really, I try to, I want to, I just don't. And the reason why, the reason, the reason why I ask this question is because it's a question that actually you ask yourself all day long. From the moment you wake up until the moment you go to sleep, you ask yourself a series of questions that have to do with whether something is worth it or not, right? And so when I say a question like, and it's kind of extreme, would you go bungee jumping? That seems pretty extreme. And you have to decide if, if you're, you know, maybe if you're a little over 40 years old, you're thinking to yourself, all right, how much recovery time am I going to have to have after said bungee jumping trip? Some of you are thinking, all right, cost and reward, right? Some of you are just like, man, it's worth it for the experience. I want to try it one time. I love the adrenaline rush. And so you're asking, yourself a series of questions that really boil down to, is it worth it? And you ask yourself that question all day long. You start by asking yourself, uh, the alarm clock goes off, and you ask yourself, is it worth it, right, to get out of bed? And some days you're like, it's not. You hit the snooze, right? You go back to sleep. You call in. It's like, this, today is not happening. It's not worth it today, right? We make those choices all day long. I found the older I get, uh, a, a question of whether it's worth it or not is to eat ice cream past 4 p.m. I don't know why, just some, something in my body. For some of you, it's like spicy foods, right? You used to love spicy food, but now you're asking yourself, is it worth it? Because you know there's, there's a consequence to some things, and you have to battle out, is it worth the thing that you like to pay the price? For some of you, it's higher education. And you're trying to figure out, right, is it worth it to continue on? Is it worth it to get more, uh, more schooling, more knowledge? Do I further my career? You're trying to figure out in your life, right, how do I advance? Is it worth it? Is the compromises that I'm making, are they worth it? Is my time worth it? Same is true uh, in, in all areas of life. In fact, one of the things that I find fascinating all the time, for those of you who know a little bit about me, you know, I have a collection, and I think everybody ha collects something. It's just some people, their collections are a little more noticeable than others. And uh, I started collecting vintage lunchboxes, uh, I don't know, probably about uh, 10 years ago or so. And I, I love them. They're a lot of fun. But I always ask myself, you know, if I see one that's kind of pricey, like, all right, is this worth it? Can I find a better deal? But you've probably seen some, uh, you know, celebrity memorabilia and I just recently saw this a couple of weeks ago. It kind of blew my mind that there was a, it was a chewed piece of gum from Britney Spears 
And it sold, yeah, this is the, the outstanding part. It sold for $14,000. I know, it's true. Somebody, somebody somewhere thought that was worth it, right? That was worth it. And uh, I don't understand that. But we have to ask ourselves, or we do ask ourselves, and this is, this is even more important, we do ask ourselves all day long if the actions we take are worth our investment. And that's what I want you to focus on today. That's what I want you to wrestle through with today as we read this scripture. We're going to read a scripture. If you grew up in church, you probably heard it many times. For me, it was a flannel board story with my teachers as they put up all the characters on that blue felt board. Uh, But it's a story that you may be familiar with. It happens in the New Testament and it happens in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bible, jump on over to Luke chapter 17 and it starts, the story starts in Luke 17 verse 11. This is what it says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Now this is important because it's kind of the no man's land between. It's, it's the area where no one is and that's where Jesus is. And in fact, That's where this colony of lepers were. And this is important to understand because at the time, there was no cure for leprosy. In fact, it was pretty much a life sentence. Uh, What they had was code, or they had law that would instruct them that if somebody had leprosy, they didn't have modern ways to treat that. They didn't have modern medicine to help out. So basically what they did was they had to kind of push them to the outskirts of the village. And that's where people lived. And eventually, that's where people died. They didn't have room for them in the village. They certainly didn't want to contract any kind of, uh, any kind of disease that would lead to somebody else's death. And so if you had leprosy, you had to stay on the outskirts of the village. You left your home. You left your job. You left everything behind. And the only family that you would wind up having are the people who are also on the outside. And this is who Jesus meets along the way. It's these ten men, and they stood at a distance, which is what they're supposed to do. And oftentimes they would cry out in loud voices, or sometimes they would have signs that would say, unclean. But here's what they do in this story. They call out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, if you stop right there, there's a little context that you need to know in that, in that a part of the Torah, a part of the law, a part of the Levitical code was that if there was any type of skin blemish, if there was any kind of mold that would happen to grow in your home or on any kind of utensil or anything like that, oftentimes you'd have to go to the priest and you'd present yourself or you would present that item to the priest and the priest would look at it and he would determine, okay, you need to come back in a few days. We'll look it over and then we'll either determine if it's clean or unclean. And if he determines it's unclean, well, then you have to wait till the unclean goes away. Then you can come back, present yourself before the priest again, and then maybe he will deem you clean. The problem is, is that these guys are unclean. 
and they've been unclean for a while. In fact, they've been so unclean for a while that they have their own community. And Jesus gives them really what is kind of a preposterous statement. He says, all right, now listen, I understand you're out here and you want me to take pity on you and you guys are just a colony of lepers, but I want you to go show yourselves to the priest. I want you to take a risk. I want you to decide if it's worth it to take the journey, which may wind up being outcast again. And as they went, all ten, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, they were healed along the way, apparently. He came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And then there's this little note here. It says, and he was a Samaritan. It's almost this jabby, like he's not just a leper. He's not just an outsider on top of it all. He's this kind of half-breed. He's this person that we all look down on. The one who returned, the one who was thankful. He was also one who didn't measure up. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. End of story. When I was growing up, I heard this story as a flannel board story. And really the story was used to remind me and maybe you that we should be more grateful for all the things that God has done for us. To be one of the one and not the nine. To recognize that Jesus has done a lot for me and that I should in turn be thankful to him. And I want to tell you that's really good. But I'm not sure that that's the crux of the story. I'm not sure that that's really our takeaway. In fact, what I find oftentimes in the Bible is that, that, that as we learn more about it, we're actually learning about who Jesus is. We're learning about the character and qualities of God. And if you turn your attention to Jesus, I think you will find some instruction there for you and for I. Because I think oftentimes when we find the outsiders, when we're up against somebody that we don't really want to spend time with, we come back to the question that you and I wrestled with earlier, and that is, is it worth it? In fact, one of the things that we wrestle with the most when it comes to sharing our faith is whether or not it is worth it. If we're being honest, we look at that and we say, is it worth my time? Is it worth me getting outside of my comfort zone? Is it worth me risking my reputation or risking this relationship? Or maybe we even ask, are they worthy of it? Jesus here in this beautiful story notices the spectrum of people, outsiders. And he looks at them and he sees them as all worth it. They're all worthy. 
What do we take away from this story that helps us determine this question? Is sharing my faith is being a Christian who lives out loud worth it? And that's really the, the series that we're in right now. We've talked about being a city on a hill that as we started off in week one, we said, listen, you're the light of the world. You are, as Jesus says, that you're the photo of God here on earth. If anybody wants to see what God is like, they're looking at you. And so how do we conduct ourselves in week two, we talked about this idea that before Jesus does something through us, oftentimes uh, he has to do something in us. That there's some refining work that has to happen in my life and your life. And we love to be a part of really cool or big things. And, and we want to feel like we have a purpose. But oftentimes God has to do something in us first. And last week, even though we weren't here, uh, we got to walk through this idea of what it means to live life along the way, that a frustrating interruption may actually be a divine appointment in disguise, that sometimes we think we have a plan in place that God has something else for us to do. And today we have to wrestle through, if we're truly a city on a hill, if we have come to change the landscape of our community for real, then we have to ask ourselves, is it worth it to share our faith? Is it worth it? See, it's easy to meet in a room where we all are kind of alike and we believe that, but at a certain time we have to ask ourselves, is it worth it going outside of this room, out of this space? And sharing what God has done for us. What I find interesting about this story as we look at it from a different perspective, maybe from Jesus' perspective, is that people can have the same encounter with Him. People can have the same encounter with Jesus, but have very different reactions that's true in this story, isn't it? That we see people react to Jesus very differently. At first, everybody was all on board. They wanted somebody to have pity on them. But only one person returned. Some kept walking. And this is hard for us as we think about whether or not it's worth it to share our faith because we recognize this truth that people have different reactions to Jesus that they have re different reactions to faith, that they have different reactions to what it means to be a part of a church community. And it can be really hard. And that's why I want you to wrestle with the question, is it worth it? There's something that I wrestled with in this scripture for a long time, and then I recognized that I had a jaded view of all ten but primarily nine of the lepers. Jesus met them and he encouraged them to do what? You can shout it out if you'd like to. Yeah, to go show themselves to the priests. And then what happened along the way? Jesus says, weren't all of them healed, right? Everybody was healed along the way to go show themselves to the priest. But only one comes back. And I wonder if we're being too oftentimes harsh on the ones who followed Jesus' instructions. And I wonder if because we don't always see the end of somebody else's faith walk, 
We don't see the ways in which God kind of works in their lives and kind of uh, smooths out all the rough places in their walk. If we don't see from the very beginning to the end that sometimes we kind of throw it off as though it doesn't matter. Just because you don't get to witness someone's complete spiritual journey doesn't mean that you weren't an intricate part of it. What I find interesting about almost every interaction that Jesus has is that he winds up healing people, he winds up comforting people, he winds up spending time with people, and they want to follow him. They want to be close to him, and then he sends them off. And we never hear from their story again. In fact, it seems as though maybe they don't ever have another Jesus encounter in the flesh again. But Jesus is okay with this. And in fact, I believe, I tend to believe in this story that what happened with the other nine was they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And here's why. Would you? If you had spent months or years or decades of your life being an outsider and losing everything, And then Jesus gives it back and he says, all right, listen, go show yourself to the priest, which means now you can say, hey, he's clean. He can be reunited with his family, wouldn't you? These nine maybe are more like us than what we would like for them to be. In fact, what's interesting here is that Jesus says, your faith has made you well. See, we look sometimes at all the other people who may not live that out exactly the way that we would. They didn't take all the steps that we thought that they would. And, and so we say, oh, listen, it was kind of a lost cause. We never got to see the end. We, we never got to see their faith develop like we wanted to. So it was just kind of a, a wash. When in fact, what great faith it must have taken all ten of them to walk from the outside to a priest, to show themselves. What great faith. Jesus says it's, it's your faith that makes you well. Of course we know this is the kind of story that happens with Jesus, right? I mean, he can heal people and say, so of course it's worth it for him because there's nothing that's impossible for Jesus, But what about you and I? It seems like sometimes I have a hard enough time kind of making it through the day. What can I do for anybody else? And in fact, one of the things I love the most, we won't go into the story too much today, but there's this time where the apostles come up upon somebody and they say, listen, could you you spare something for me? I don't have anything. And their response is, I don't have money. But what I do have, I'll give to you. And I wonder in my life, I wonder in your life if that is true. And I wonder if we recognize the impact that you and I truly do have. See, for you and I, it might look like painting the side of a barn. And for the owner of a dog rescue, you're an answer to prayer. See, for you and I, it might look like, uh, I'm just going to volunteer once every six weeks to teach uh, the, the kids' class. And, you know, that doesn't seem like a whole lot. But for somebody else, uh, you're teaching them about Jesus. 
and you're changing their world. For somebody, it might be like, oh man, that's just, that's 10 bucks. What does 10 bucks do? And for somebody else, man, you are changing their world. See, you can make a bigger impact than you think. In the late 70s, early 80s, there was a lot of mission trips to L.A., and at the time, if you are old enough, you remember that Los Angeles was a very dangerous place. Skid Row was there. There was a lot of drugs and there was a lot of violence. And so a lot of mission work happened in L.A. Churches would send mission teams there to, to try to help people understand the gospel and to try to change lives and to set up different kind of organizations that might help people get clean. And so uh, one pastor from a church wound up sending a group of his people people there to LA and and this group is comprised of all kinds of people from their congregation and so they touch down there in LA they get off the plane and they're not there for more than just a couple of hours and one of the people from the mission team actually winds up getting lost and it's a it's a woman who is uh, beyond middle age and she is lost in the streets of LA near Skid Row. She doesn't know where she is. It's, uh, it's the uh, early uh, 80s. She doesn't have a cell phone. She doesn't have a way to get a hold of her mission team. It's kind of worst case scenario. She's in a dark alley, and she sees a guy who has tattoos, and he's looking kind of rough, and he starts walking towards her. And so she has to decide what she's going to do. And so she decides she's going to start walking towards him, which kind of goes against all train of thought, right? All the things that you'd say, you'd think like, or run, start screaming, whatever. She starts walking towards this guy and she approaches him and she says, listen, I have a deal for you. I don't know where I am. If you can help me find where I'm supposed to go, I'll make sure that you have a place to stay tonight and a warm meal to eat. He takes her up on the deal. See who she didn't know she was talking to was a guy named Alfred Lomas. And Alfred Lomas had just gotten out of prison that day. He had spent his whole life leading gangs and in violence and drug dealing. That was his life. But through this middle-aged woman from the Midwest who had gotten lost, who decided she was going to walk towards the mess and that it might be worth it to engage instead of running the opposite way. Now Alfred Lomas over the last 40 years has led the biggest change in L.A. in drugs and alcohol and violence and offenders coming out of prison that has ever happened. See, you may think of yourself as somebody who's like, I'm not going to make a difference. I can't relate to people like that. What kind of difference could I make? But I'm telling you, you can, you can make a bigger difference than you think if you allow God to work through you. The question that you have to wrestle with is, is it worth it? Is it worth your time? Is it worth your effort? And here's the hard thing. 
what I'd love to tell you in, in every story that we'll encounter, because some of you, you've been at the church thing for a while, and you'll say, like, listen, I have reached out, I have shared my faith, I have shared my home, I have shared my finances with people, and uh, I can tell you it doesn't always end well, and that is true. I have been there before myself. But before you allow the jadedness of humanity to sink in too much, Look at the actions of Jesus. See, Jesus didn't see ten lepers standing outside of a community. He saw ten people who needed to be reunited. And he took the steps necessary to do it. And he decided that just for those ten, even if only one, which doesn't seem like good odds, would ever come back to thank him, it was more than worth it. So before you give up on someone, look for their God-given value, the same value that would cause Jesus to stop and say, you know, not everybody's going to say thanks, and I may never see these faces again, but... It's worth it to enter into the mess. And let me tell you, over the next 365 days, as church, we try to continue to change the landscape, we're going to come up across a lot of messes. And it's not always going to be easy. And you're going to ask yourself a few times, man, is this worth it? I want you to step back and remember this story. Not a story necessarily of just saying, all right, I need to make sure to tell Jesus thank you. That's good. The story of a God who would be so loving that even when the odds are well against him, and even when the gratitude doesn't seem like it's there and it runs really thin, that you would see value, a God value in others. And it's because of that that you would say, man, it's worth it every time to speak life, to speak hope, to speak truth, to remind people of a God who loves them and a body of believers who will surround them and comfort them. And in the meantime, as we get ready to celebrate and worship and have fun and eat together and reach out into the community a little bit later today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you and transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to the only God, our Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging, who is matchless and merciful, who is supreme and sufficient, who is before all things and through all things and in all things, both now and forever. Amen. Hey, would you stand up with us today as we continue to worship our God?